Right. If you have your Bibles, why don't we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. I'll race you. I've won. And it says this. Uh, there's going to be quite a lot of scripture this morning, so feel free to grab a notepad out and scribble it down. Um, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, or mature if you're not a man, I put away the, ch- the ways of childhood behind me. So I put away the ch- ways of childhood behind me. I'll pray. Father, I thank you, God, for your Bible. Thank you that it's a light to our path and it guides us. It helps us uh, live better lives for you and to know your will in our lives. And and I just pray that uh, as we look at your scriptures, at your principles, Father, that you will speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't the human mind amazing? Have you ever stopped to think about the human mind? It just, it just blows me away what we can do with our mind when we decide to focus and actually focus on something and succeed at something. You know, I, I look at a lot of discoveries that happen around the world that come on the back of movies that creatives have come up with crazy ideas and then suddenly you find out 10 years later or not even that much or sometimes a little bit more, there is some kind of technology that now exists that actually sits in behind that idea that some creative actually created when they thought anything was possible. And so now we've got, you know, we've got, uh, we don't just use traditional airplanes and, and whatnot with propellers, but now we're looking at all kinds of kind of different ways of, of getting lift and, and powering things and uh, American kind of transport planes that operate in complete different ways, the half helicopter, half plane, half this, half that. And, and it's just, it just blows my mind Um, that all this stuff is achieved from our mind. You know, when you think about Sir Edmund Hillary, he went and he conquered, and he wasn't alone. It was a whole team. People often say, you know, it wasn't just him. It was was actually a whole bunch of other people. Uh, But they went and believed that they could take a mountain. And the thing that amazes me about that mountain, that mountain is designed to kill you. Everything in that environment is trying to kill you. You know, you go there, you get uh, altitude sickness, it kills you. Your, your ropes come loose or you slip off a ladder crossing a ravine, it kills you. You know, it's, there's a storm, there's winds, there's snow, there's ice, you don't get shelter, it kills you. You know, Everything there is designed to kill you, and yet a team of climbers managed to get up there before the technology that we have today with the breathing uh, oxygen and that. I mean, how did they do that, you know, for a start? But they managed to get up there and conquer Everest. And now today, with all the technology that they have, with uh, the extra oxygen and medication that they take now to help uh, balance out the altitude sickness and that, people still die. Scores of people die. The mountain's littered with bodies. 
of people that have died and been left as a sign of respect to them and to the mountain and to what they were trying to do. But it all comes from the mind and the fact that when we come up with an idea, we can achieve so much. But what about when it goes wrong? What about when it goes wrong? You know, our mind doesn't always do the impossible. Sometimes it's, it graunches and it clunks away and it worries and it stresses. And, the, and this is what I kind of want to talk about today is we have a great mind and when we harness it and we can get it to focus the way God wants it to focus and get it to do what God wants us to do, we can achieve so much and so much for him. And we can overcome some other things that are holding us back. So that's kind of where I'm going with it. So uh, today's title, if you're taking notes, is Thoughts. Thoughts. Because it all centers on the thoughts that we have. The thoughts that we can make it or the thoughts that we can't make it. The thoughts that we're good enough or the thoughts that we're not good enough. It's all based on thoughts. A few weeks back, uh, Bruce and Gina and I and the youth leaders and that headed off to a wellbeing and society prevention course. Uh, and it was a doctor, uh, Beatria, Beatrius uh, was speaking, uh, a really, really intelligent person at the top of her game in the area of uh, suicide and mental um, thinking and everything. And and one thing that she said that really stuck with both Gina and I is when we get highly stressed, it actually causes the part of our brain that makes decisions to stop making those decisions or to hold, slow down making those decisions. And the more stress we get, like acutely stressed, the worse it gets. And, and that was really quite, I hadn't heard that said like that before. And I thought, wow, that's really amazing. At the times where we often are stressed and need to, the clarity to be able to make decisions, we've got our body actually working against us. Our mind is working against us. It's trying to shut everything down, I guess, to preserve itself. Uh, and it's actually stopping us, hitting the pause button on us being able to work our way out of the problem we're in. Isn't that sneaky and bad all at the same time? And so I found there's, that there's this happening in our lives. And the more, so the more we need to be able to come up with a solution, sometimes it feels like if we're highly stressed, less um, opportunities for the door to be there. But the thing I realize is if we can harness the right thinking at these times, and put our trust in something or someone, big hint, we can actually override some of this stuff and we can actually bring ourselves back to an area where we can open up these pathways and actually start allowing our mind to make decisions and actually think longer term with the right kind of thinking. You know, I started with uh, Corinthians. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put my childhood ways behind me. It's an amazing scripture about becoming mature, but it's not just about age. It's actually an attitude or a, a discipline that we put on with, regardless of how old we are. I know young people who are very mature 
And I've known older people who are very immature. In fact, when I was policing, uh, I remember we got called to a job and uh, it was a a person who had overdosed uh, on medication or said she had. She had rung and said, I've overdosed on medication. And so we went in and we knocked at the door and she wouldn't let us in. So uh, we smashed uh, the smallest window we could find. This is a tip in policing. When you have to smash a window, pick the smallest one you can find because it doesn't cost the police so much money out of the budget. So you always look for the smallest window. I pick you and smash that one. And uh, so we got into the house. Uh, she, was, she was fine, uh, but she was very difficult to deal with. Very moody. And so we... Uh, we said, you're going to the hospital, the ambulance are here, you'll be going to the hospital and they'll be um, working through with you. And she threw a tantrum and she's standing right here in front of me and she screams at the top, Aah! you know, like throwing a, throwing a two-year-old tantrum. And I just stood there and looked at her and I said, you finished? Was that good for you? You know, I can yell too, you know. And she kind of realized, oh, okay, I'm not getting the response I want. So she didn't do that again. So then she said, well, I'm not going in the back of the ambulance. And I said, that's cool, you're under arrest. Get in the back of the ambulance. Off she went. She got treatment. And and I never heard uh, about her again. You know, N. Grant used to run those uh, Parenting with Confidence courses. And they were life-changing in our lives if ever Ian Grant was coming to Palmerston North to uh, do a Parenting with Confidence course, I was there because I realised that when I make investments into things that I think are important, those investments pay off and I become a better parent. I become a better husband. I become a better whatever I want to improve. And so I always used to go, whenever he came to Palmerston, I would be there like Trev would. And uh, so... I'm at one and I see our, uh, uh, another lawyer who I know obviously through the justice system and uh, his name was Russell and, and I saw him the next week in court and we're chatting away and I said, how did you enjoy um, Parenting with Confidence last week? And he said, really good, like really good. I learned some new techniques to try on Duncan. Well, Duncan wasn't his son. Duncan was another lawyer <laughs> who he was in business with. Duncan was a man in his late 50s who knew how to throw tantrums. And one day I had a trial and he uh, was uh, acting in the trial and we were talking outside court and, um, you know, outside court there's lots of people waiting to go in and there's lots of people who have been in waiting to wander off and whatnot. And he decided things weren't going the way he wanted, so he decided to have a big, I'm going to throw a tantrum at the police officer right in front of me at the top of my voice and then storm off. And so he did that. And, and I thought, wow, that's what a, it looks like to have a grown man throw a tantrum in public. And, uh, you know, he was a person that had never learnt to get past I will resort to this way of thinking and I will throw a tantrum when it suits me. And he would do it in public. A grown, there is nothing worse than a grown man throwing a two-year-old tantrum in public. Believe me, I've seen it. I've lived it. So thoughts. So my question to you is what thoughts are you having? 
What do you think about? How much time do you spend investing into worry that makes no difference in your life? How much time do you spend thinking about good stuff that does come true or good stuff that could come true? You know, there was some research done by Living With Purpose and, uh, and the, reveal, it, the research revealed that 90% of the things we worry about never happen. In fact, it went on to say studies show that people who worry uh, a lot are generally less effective than those who do, who, who don't, sorry. They get less work done and are often less happy. Wow, that makes sense, doesn't it? And worriers are slower to respond than non-worriers. And I guess it's tied up in that whole anxiety thing. When we are under high levels of stress, we don't make decisions as well. And it said, uh, presumably because worrying burns off mental energy, that would be more effectively applied elsewhere. And according to Gary Marcus, who was a professor of, professor of psychology at New York University, a re- A recent laboratory study at Yale and Pennsylvania State University found the mere opportunity to worry for five minutes is enough to bring down a person's mood. And I think he's talking about the kind of mood that can be at the start of the day and affects the entire day. So a simple five-minute worry session can affect the the mood that then moves on to other things. And I'm... And I know I've said it a few times, but I've read other research where they've said that a great strategy that was used with people suffering from uh, depression and stuff like that was to actually get them to go into someone else's house first thing in the morning and help someone else. And because they felt good about what they had done and good about uh, the situation, it actually positively impacted because the thing that I realized reading that is what about if we could turn that around and instead of spending five minutes worrying about a scenario, we actually turn it around and spend five minutes thinking about all the good stuff that can happen today or all the good stuff that God can do in our lives, all the good stuff that God can bring um, through. Wouldn't that be cool? And I bet that could affect our mood as well. You know, Proverbs says, give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. And what I realize when I read the scripture is it's talking about your feet and it paints the picture of physical feet. But I think it also spiritually points the direction that your mind can take, your physical mind in in terms of using feet to describe it. But be be careful in the way we we take our mind, you know. Um, Give careful thought to your mind and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the left or right. That makes sense to me as well. So I think that God is actually saying we, we need to be careful where we choose to go. If our mind allows our foot to go this way and it's not a great way or that way and it's not a great way, we need to try and rein it in. Now, I know there's levels. This is a big continuum from low-lying worries to really, really serious stuff. So I'm not saying that everything like this can be saved with the wave of a magic wand 
there are times where professional assistance is needed. So I'm not saying undermining that. There are times where we should be talking to professionals and getting professional guidance. But then down the other end is a whole bunch of situations where we can actually do some more ourselves to actually help ourselves and learn some new disciplines, learn some new habits, learn some new ways. I think I've told the story before. I used to work in a warehouse and uh, uh, and I would, you know, some days I'd just work alone all day. I'd be on my forklift. I'd be ripping around, unloading trucks, reloading trucks, moving, you know, just pallets and pallets and pallets. And I'd work pretty much all day alone. And I'd be tired because I was young and I didn't sleep enough. And I stayed up too late partying with Christian friends, not alcohol partying or anything, but just having good, good Christian times in my Christian flat. Good times, eh? You guys know about it. And, uh, but as a result, I was tired, and so I used to be grumpy. So I'd be around on my forklift driving. <laughs> inside, this thing was having a battle inside, so negative and so angry. and Because <laughs> I hadn't learned to harness my mind. And it wasn't until later on that I went and did a course, and I actually started learning, you can actually control some of the stuff. And I started learning about Christian people who actually first thing in the day got out of bed and sat on, on, you know, on the side of their bed and said, thank you, God, this is going to be a great day. And they actually declared. Now, I know some people say that, oh, that's just positive mumbo jumbo. No, it's not. It's prophetic. It's actually talking prophetically about stuff that is to happen that hasn't yet happened. I can declare that I'm going to have a great day today and I can have one. Now, it doesn't mean that bad stuff won't happen. It doesn't, doesn't mean that I, you know, that I won't have to navigate through. But I have the choice as to how I respond to that stuff. Ultimately, it's my choice. I can have bad stuff happen in my world, and I can allow it to get me down, or I can, I can navigate it well. I had this thought yesterday as I was thinking about this word today. And it's this, your perceived reality is not actually your true reality unless it is your real reality. (laughs) Try and write that down. Your perceived reality is not actually your true reality unless it is your real reality. But quite often we live in a reality that isn't real. How many people want to help me? I need about four volunteers to help me with a little game. How many? It's a super easy game. I'm not going to make you look silly or anything. Can I have four volunteers? It's going to be an awesome game. One, two, three, four. Look, there's four people at the front. And Okay. This. Now, if you can line up on this, this game... Is called sharks in the water. Sharks in the water. Your boat has sunk. And you've found this piece of wood and it's from there to there. And there's sharks all around you. I'm sorry about the situation. I hope you haven't seen Jaws. If you have, you know where we're going. So when I say so, one two, three, four, the waves, you know, the sea's a little bit rough and and it's splashing around a bit and you get knocked around a bit and when you're in this situation, you've got to kind of just 
keep getting back on that board, you know? Otherwise, there's sharks in the water, you know? So how about if we quickly change the order and don't forget there's sharks here and sharks there. We change the order to three, four, one, two. How's that? So one, two, three, four, three, four, one, two. Watch out for the shark. Ah, oh, shark, shark, shark. Watch out for the oh, swim up, swim up. Swim up, yep. How about two, three, four, one? Oh, he's in the water again, sharks. Okay, they're not, they're not very convincing, are they? I'm not convinced. How about if I said the winner gets a peanut slab? Yeah, okay, so uh, one, two, three, four. Four, two, three, one. Okay, that's great. I Welcome. Yeah. Welcome <laughs> to Lane Park Church. Yeah. Thanks, guys. How many know there was a big problem there? Do you know what the problem was? They weren't taking it seriously, were they? Why weren't they taking it seriously? It's not real. It's not real. And that's the whole point. If it was real and there was real sharks and there was jaws circling, I'd be, I would be able to walk on water, you know. I'd be going 20 metres on water. I'd be doing Peter all over again, you know. But quite often we get ourselves into a scenario where we're actually looking at situations and we're actually thinking they're real when they're not. So I think we need to be careful that we don't allow the devil who wants us to be wired like this because he wants us to be anxious. He wants us to be worried. He is the opposite of everything God wants. And so we need to be careful not that we actually bring our mind into focus and actually focus the way God wants us to focus. So I've got four easy tips today, four easy thoughts. And the first one is make a decision not to worry. That's easy, eh? Make a decision not to worry. It actually starts with a decision, believe it or not. If you make a simple decision, I'm going to do something about this. This is my decision, and I'm going to put some strategies in place under this. So here's some strategies. One is make a list of all the things that worry you, and then put a tick beside every one of them that comes true or has come true. How much time have you spent worrying in your past about things that have come true? I'll bet there's a lot we worry about. They say 90% of our worries never come true. Matthew 6 uh, 6.35 says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, 
by worrying add a single hour to your life. So it's nice, simple, eh? Make a decision not to worry. Point two. Shift your focus from, uh, to possibilities of God. Shift your focus to the possibilities of God. Do you realize God is big enough to help you? God is actually big enough to help you. Now, problems may seem big, and God may not solve every problem, but he is there to journey with you through them. And he is big enough to do that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Change your inputs. This is one thing that I've found tremendously powerful. Change your inputs. Gina and I are really careful around this, especially pastoring, because you can, you can, stop, you can start worrying about a whole bunch of stuff, you know, um, that consumes your thought, and none of it's actually real. So you need to really make decisions around what really I'm going to focus my mental energy on. Because a whole bunch of stuff can get me completely distracted and knee-jerky, and I can respond to stuff, and it's not actually real. How dangerous is that? So we, we monitor how much, how much TV we, we watch in terms of news. I quite often will listen to the radio news because they get through it real fast, whereas TV news I find can be quite drawn out and quite negative just because they can. Um, we are careful around what channels of the news. We, we tend to find uh, that TV1, and you might disagree, I mean, that's, this is only my opinion, um, but we personally find TV1 more cynical than TV3. It doesn't seem to slant everything quite as negatively. It seems to give you more just the news untainted. See, the job of news, of news should be to actually report news, not to manufacture it. But a lot of news agencies today are highly obsessed with the manufacture and the creation of news. But the, the, core, if the core starting job of news is actually to report what has happened factually. Um, but now it's all about spin. What spin we can put on it. Uh, what radios, uh, radio stations we listen to. There's positive ones, there's negative ones. What music we listen to. What programs we watch. What we follow on internet whether we're into um, lots of conspiracy theories, you won't feel better watching stuff on conspiracy theories. You will always feel down. I remember when I was policing, we went to this uh, up north. I might have told you this story. I can't remember. Um, we went into the search warrant up north and uh, was just out of Tamaranui. And we went and went to this address and we could not, walk around the address through the house because the house, they had newspaper and they had rubbish. They had never thrown anything out. And so what they had made was little aisles that you could walk through the room and everything either side was like news, piled up newspaper or rubbish. And so you kind of had these like little tracks through the house. And I mean, that alone, I started thinking there might be something wrong here, Houston. We might have a problem. 
then we're chatting, and, and I mean, it's clear that there are some issues here, and, con- and amongst it is conspir- extreme conspiracy theories. And I, I said, oh, what happened to your pot? There's a pot there, and it's all kind of, looks like it had a stew once, but it had never been cleaned out, and, and the water wasn't running, and, and some of the other pots were rusty. And I said, what happened here? And they said, it's, it's the water from the government. It's contaminated. Oh, is it? Okay, I'm going, you know. But these people were convinced, convinced that there was a conspiracy. The government is trying to poison the water and affect our minds. And it wasn't real. So be careful who you listen to because conspiracy theories run on a big continuum from just being a little bit cautious, you know, and open. And I think we should all be like a little bit sensible and sober-minded right through to the weird and wacky. Um, And it's hard to know where people are actually at until you actually sit and talk to them so they can seem quite normal. And then suddenly, you know, have you seen my fourth arm? You know? But for 20 minutes, they seem pretty normal. Yeah, what happened to the third one for a start? Yeah. It was a government conspiracy. They cut it off. Yeah, aliens. Matthew 6.35 says, And do not worry about clothes. See how flowers grow in the field? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon... And all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, is thrown in the fire, will he not more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. But your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So basically it's saying, you know, God's got it. God's got it. We don't need to stress about it all. God is on our side. Third thing, bring your worries to God and align with his thinking. Matthew 6, 25 says, but first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. But sometimes we do, don't we? We worry about tomorrow when we should be worrying about now, about today. All that can go wrong tomorrow. So how do we do that? How do we actually put that into practice? One thing we can do is do a Bible study on having confidence in God. You know, it's easy to get your computer out and just type in uh, scriptures on confidence in God and you'll get a truckload of people will have looked up scriptures and they will have um, popped a whole bunch of scriptures up that you can, uh, you can grab um, out and pin up on your wall and every morning when you wake up, you can look at them and you can read, you know, read some of them out. Uh, you can start listening to people, uh, podcasts and that, that are actually building us up, not causing worry, doing the opposite of worrying. 
Start thanking God that he has it all under control. That's actually a positive thing, isn't it? Start talking like it's done. That's prophetic. Start thanking God that he has it all under control, that he's worked it all out. That's a good thing to do. This is called faith. Focus on things that really matter to him. Loving him and loving others. Loving him and loving others. When it all boils down, there's not a whole lot more that's left that we should worry about. We should love him and we should love other people. Our family, you guys. Understand we're in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual battle. So there's forces. We are dealing with living out the physical, but sitting behind it is the spiritual, and it is at war, and it's at war for our mind as well. So we need to realize that we're not just, you know, that there is a spiritual, and we need to align with God spiritually in this area and recognize and say, God has the victory. God will come through. God is, you know, God's got this. He's all-powerful. Look to help someone else so we don't focus on ourselves. Watch our habits. I did a little little spiel here about getting too bored. Sometimes we can be too bored. Don't, you know, if you're a person that has lots of negative thoughts and that, don't let yourself, like, keep yourself a little bit active and busy doing good stuff. So we don't start just having time where we can sit down and start meditating on all the negative stuff. That's where we start getting uh, nitpicky and gossipy and all that stuff that kind of comes comes out. And then we go, oh, now I feel so bad. I'm just a bad person. You know, and it goes downhill from there. Five minutes worry, fix the day. But we need to turn that around. 2 Corinthians, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every uh, pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So Paul says we take captive every thought. Every thought that's not captive to Christ, we can take captives. And we, make, we take it and we make it obedient to God. Focus on some good stuff. Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. One thing I love doing, I mean, I never thought I would do this. Um, in all my life, but we sometimes watch cat movies, uh, not cat, cat movies, those funny cat videos. I remember when the kids got into funny cat, cat videos and whatnot, and I'm like, oh, that is so lame, you know? I am too cool for that. Now I find myself watching cat videos. I'm sorry, Lord. I repent. But some of them are really good. (laughs) You know, plug into some positive stuff. You know, if you've got stuff, 
the opposite of worry and, and stuff like that is you can put on movies that are, that are humorous and funny. And, you know, the Bible says that, uh, you know, humor and uh, a merry heart is good like a medicine. And so watching, watching stuff that is good and lightens this is a great medicine for us. So uh, that is a good thing we can do as well. The fourth thing is put yourself in the center of his will mentally. Uh, there is no safer place. So when we put ourselves mentally in the center of his will, I was saying uh, before we have a little meeting before church where we um, just kind of run through stuff and pray, and I made the comment that, um, you know, I, it doesn't matter how good the situation is I'm in. If I know that I'm not kind of in there in the strength of God or in God's will, I get really nervous. But I can be in a terrible situation and know I'm in the center of God's will and feel totally confident. I remember when I was policing, saying to one of my co-workers, he was a Christian as well, and I remember saying to him, there's no safer place than being in the center of his will. And, uh, you know, I would leave for work and I would pray, God, you know, would you give us safety tonight? Look after my section mates, uh, guide us, you know. And this was the kind of prayer I prayed every shift, you know. Just, just be there for us, protect us, get us home safely and that. And I knew that I was where I was meant to be, doing what I was meant to be doing. And I could be confident in it. So when we're in the center of his will, mentally, physically, spiritually, it's a good place to be. Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1 says, Therefore with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. With minds that are alert and fully sober, what he means is not distracted by stuff. Not distracted. Not punch drunk. So as we close, the thing I realize is on a day by day, the Holy Spirit is with us. And the Holy Spirit, while I've been talking this morning, has been talking to you as well. That's kind of how it works. I get up and I ask God for a topic and I get a topic and... And I say one thing, but I know that the Holy Spirit is talking to you guys at the same time. He's, he's uh, illuminating stuff. He's changing stuff. I remember preaching at youth group many years ago uh, when I was just a youth leader. And I remember doing this topic and speaking about the topic. And then one of the youth girls came up and said, you know, thank you for speaking about evangelism. I thought, I didn't speak about evangelism. It had nothing to do with evangelism. But what I realized was the Holy Spirit was talking to her about evangelism while I was speaking about something else. And so the thing I realized is as we journey day by day, the Holy Spirit is with us, guiding us, talking to us, traveling with us through situations and as we navigate this thing we call stress and worry and thoughts and that we can trust that God will work with us and the Holy Spirit will journey with us and help us in this area as we work through this how does that sound because he is able to 
do all this good stuff, isn't he? I'll pray. Father, I thank you for this amazing bunch of people. Thank you that you love them. We're all at different levels. We're all at different um, in different situations, from different backgrounds, different races, and and I just pray that you work with each one of us. Help us to be focused on you. Help us with our worries, with our thoughts. Help us to live fully for you. Help us to throw off everything that holds us back and and run fully for you. Run a race that's worth running for you. Help us to be effective, sober. Father, we pray, be with us this week. Help us to make a difference in the world for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If stuff has stirred up this morning and you do want to talk or pray, you can talk to your life group leaders, the elders, Jenna and I are around friends, Christian friends, they can pray for you. Believe it or not, God anoints their prayer and listens to their prayer as much as the pastor's prayer. So start with friends is a great place as well. Friends who know Jesus. Have a great week, guys.